On today's episode of 2A for Today, we're gonna be remembering my friend, co-writer of 2A for Today, Jessica Garrity. Jessica Cody Garrity was 37 years old when she passed on January 7th, 2024. She was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the daughter of Dennis Garrity and Karen Elliott Cody. Her birth father passed before her and she was raised by her mother and adoptive father, George Cody. Jessica got a degree in journalism from UConn, which led to her career in journalism and freelance writing. She authored numerous articles and scripts, most of which focused on politics, business, and science. She loved the Lord and had a tremendous heart for animals, gun rights advocacy, and the work of Sheila Matthews, an able child. She loved waterfalls and exploring nature. Uh, she survived by her mother, Karen Cody, adoptive father, George Cody, maternal grandparents, Tom and Kay Elliott, brother Thomas Cody, sister Ann Cody, and many other loving Cody, Elliott, and Garrity family members. But Jessica was murdered, and it wasn't gun violence. She was poisoned. She was poisoned with the number one killer in America for her age group. So if there's something that politicians, the left, and all the anti-gun zealots out there should be going after protesting and raising up money and marches for is to end this crisis. According to the DEA, for Americans ages 18 to 45, the leading cause of death is fentanyl overdose. The addictive drug is responsible for nearly 70% of the United States' 107,000 plus drug overdose deaths in the past year and is 50 times stronger than heroin and 100 times stronger than morphine. Jessica was poisoned with illicit fentanyl. Illicit fentanyl is not the fentanyl prescribed by doctors that are controlled. Illicit fentanyl is produced by black market dealers. According to a State House Report article, the chemicals that make up illicit fentanyl are made in China and exported to Mexico, where they are mixed to manufacture synthetic fentanyl. The coroner in Dorchester County in South Carolina, he said in a report, traffickers are pressing fentanyl into fake prescription drugs. They don't have any regard to how many people they may kill. So our friend, Jessica Cody, Jessica Garrity, she was involved in a poisoning. She was drinking one night, she was offered something, and it was mixed with fentanyl. The thing she was originally taking wasn't deadly, but because it was mixed with this powerful, potent additive, she died. A lot of folks are putting fentanyl and they're cutting it with other things to mix it with drugs that are weak, that are poor drugs, drugs that are poorly produced, that don't have any potency, and they'll mix fentanyl in them to make them more potent so they can sell them. And they're selling them all over the country. And this fentanyl and all the products involved with it, they're coming up through our poor southern border. Now joining us in the studio today live is Kat Orr. Kat Orr is from Charleston, South Carolina, and she has been doing significant things to solve this crisis because She's got a significant story of her own. Uh, welcome to the show, Kat. Hi. Hi, Zoe. Thank you for having me. You have a significant story, and you're working with some organizations that are doing significant things. Kind of tell us a little bit about who you work with and, and why you're involved. Well, my biggest mission in life right now is to get um, drug-induced homicide laws passed in South Carolina and basically across the country. I have Izzy's Army, which I founded after my daughter was poisoned to illicit fentanyl poisoning in 2017. I also am the state representative for 
South Carolina's drug-induced homicide chapter. It's a national organization. And um, we are just grieving families that are trying to bring awareness and trying to get legislation passed so that drug dealers are held accountable for murder. We have so many kids that are dying. Over 300,000 are dying. Um, 300 a day are dying across America every day. And you don't hear a blip on the news. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a stigma involved in, in this crisis. And the stigma, uh, you know, I've, I've faced it talking to people about it, is that, you know, these, these people have done it to themselves. They said, tell me a little bit about your story and experience with that stigma, even with uh, agencies, law enforcement. Um, well, Isabella was poisoned in 2017. And at that time, nobody was talking about illicit fentanyl. No one was talking about poisonings. They talked about overdoses. I said from the beginning, my daughter did not overdose. Izzy was full of life. She wanted to be here. She did not want to harm herself. Um, she was the kind of kid that was so bubbly and vibrant you know, when she walked in a room, everybody wanted to be her friend. She just had that energy. People were drawn to her. And um, she she was uh, given something that, um, you know, according to her phone records, um, we found out in text messages that she was given an illicit pill that ended up um, killing her. And... Um, you know, the law enforcement officers, it went from one agency to the next and to the next. I finally kept pursuing until I got the DEA involved. Um, I didn't really have any problems with the law enforcement officers. But, you know, there is stigma out there. Um, I don't believe it is like it used to be. Everybody used to think I was crazy when I said my child was poisoned. I have parents now coming up to me and telling me, you know, you were right. You were right all along. Our kids are being murdered. Um, you know, we have so many uh, kids every day. Uh, I just met another new family this morning. Um, they lost their child. And what's most disheartening for me is the fact that I've been pushing for legislation in South Carolina since a week after my daughter's funeral, I stood in front of the South Carolina Governor's Opioid Task Force Committee with her ashes and her picture, and I told them what was going on, and our kids are being poisoned. That was my gut feeling. Um, I had read things in the past about um, there was a man in Ladson, South Carolina, who was convicted of uh distribution involving a death. Um, he had sent um, a package to a friend of his in Washington and that person died. He was the first person that I had read about, about illicit fentanyl poisonings. Okay. So I had never even heard of fentanyl at that time. And in 2016, this news broke in Charleston. And that's when I started hearing about things and people not waking up. And my daughter, I found her. Um, she was unresponsive. I did CPR. I got a pulse. She was in the hospital for a week. So July 23rd of 2017, 
I found my daughter on her floor, Indian style. She had been on her iPad and um, she didn't wake up and her, um, her uh, death date is the 27th of July, 2017, because that's when they declared my gifted and talented daughter brain dead. And um, this is a kid that was a high school cheerleader, all American kid. You know, she could speak other languages. She would graduate in the top 10% of her class. She had an associate's degree. She was going back into the medical field. Um, you know, she was the all American girl. She had everything. You know, she was such a positive uh, person and she did all these wonderful things and she had a heart as big, you know, the biggest heart, a heart full of, you know, of love and compassion. She helped people and um, she did volunteer work. This, she shouldn't be, she should be here. She should not be dead. These drug dealers are getting away with murder in South Carolina. Our numbers keep going up. We have legislation sitting in the house. They're not passing it. The, the two bills are sitting in the house and they're going nowhere. They're yeah. just sitting there. Um, on, the, on the 27th of July, 2017, that's when my daughter was declared dead. And on the 29th of July, 2017, is when she was removed from the ventilator. She was a week in the hospital. I have three death dates for her. The 23rd, the 27th, and the 29th. She was two days longer on the ventilator after they declared her brain dead because my daughter was an organ donor. That's how big of a heart she has. Yeah, I'm so sorry. You know, I um, that that's what makes it even the more difficult. It's kind of like, and this might be a bad example, but it's kind of like when some of our soldiers went to Vietnam and they came back, and after they had been at war, I mean, surviving some of the most disastrous and dangerous areas of the world, they were greeted with hate and disdain by a lot of people in America, right? It's similar in this because people, they automatically think drug use, overdose, they think, you know, abusing drugs, they think that the person may have like harmed themselves. There's all these things that pop up. But the reality is that a lot of the victims of illicit fentanyl death, a lot of the victims were poisoned. They were poisoned without their knowledge. Maybe they were doing something that, you know, you would think maybe people shouldn't do. Maybe they were taking a, a, a pill, a Xanax, or, or smoking some weed, or, or whatever, you name it. Because they were doing something recreational that's legal in some states in America, um, they, have, they have died. And so this is a poisoning issue. This is an issue where, you know, it could be solved, right? This is an issue that could be solved. And our borders are wide open. Charleston is a port city. You know, America needs to come first. This is, and I've been talking about this I've, and people looked at me like I was crazy. We lost a half a million kids. I say kids because I'm old, but 18 to 45 year olds, we lost a half a million during the opioid crisis. That's 20, you know, 2010 to, to 2019, that decade, a half a million lives. We're now in another decade. We have illicit fentanyl. These kids are 
and again, 18 to 45 year olds per the DEA, this is the number one cause of death in this age group. We are already surpassing that number and we're not even at the midpoint of this decade. Prior to the opioid crisis, we had our VA, our over-prescribing our military vets, Oxycontin, okay? So all these people, okay, we're, we're talking mil, um, over a million people of American citizens dying on American soil. It is a weapon of mass destruction. I told you this at the State House last year when I met you. That this is a weapon of mass destruction. China is killing us from within, and people need to wake up. Our kids are dying. I'd like to make one distinction. I'd like to make one distinction, and that, that is this. It, it's coming from China, but I believe the CCP, the CCP are, are the reason why it's coming from China. It could stop coming from China like that, but the CCP is enabling this to get from China to America up through our poorest border by way of cartels. You know, right now we, we, we have a country where they will call activists at school boards, parents protesting pornography in our public school libraries, they'll call them extremists, terrorists, hate groups, uh, tantamount to calling them domestic terrorists. But we have Mexican cartels on our Southern border operating like foreign terrorist organizations, killing more of our children than the actual foreign terrorists that are on our list designated by the Department of State. So we could well, solve they are living this. in South Carolina. There's several hubs in South Carolina. For the DEA, I go, I'm always invited to go to their conferences. They will hold a conference. I'm one of the ones who they call to come over there and let them know what's going on. They're in turn telling me the things that are going on. So I do a lot of activist work outside of just going to a rally or just with my politicians or, you know, just on Facebook. I am hands on yeah. boots on the ground, mom, you know, I don't stop. This is, this has been my chosen path. Um, it's not one I want to be on, but this is what I'm doing. Yeah. My friend, my friend, uh, she was great. Very kind. Uh, the sweetest girl, she, you know, I don't know that she was on the spectrum or anything like that. However, she was so gentle and so kind, almost a naivety that made her seem so innocent, right? And the cre the creatures, the violent, the the pedophilic, the, the, the people who are actually targeting the vulnerable, they're still on the streets. While the good people who may be dealing with pain, who may be just recreationally having whatever, they are being poisoned and dying. Tell, tell me a little bit about, I know we can solve it at the border, but tell me a little bit about the bills that are in the house right now that you say are stalls. Tell me a little bit about them. Well, last year, um, and I mean, this is not the first year, but this is the first year that a Senate bill has traveled through the Senate and made it to the house. So that bill passed over last year, February, a year ago. It's sitting in the house. It was never, um, they have not brought it up to hear it. Uh, the house also has a trafficking fentanyl bill that they have not even addressed. 
So it's sitting in the House. So what's going on with our politicians in South Carolina? Why are we not holding drug dealers accountable for murder? They seem to pass other legislation, you know, rather, you know, like at speed of light, they can pass legislation. They can pass a purple paint law to, you know, if you're no trespassing sign blows away in the wind, you can take a purple paint can and put a, a line around, you know, spray a line around your tree, you know, to keep trespassers out. I mean, that made it through the other year. But I mean, it's like, what, why are we not holding drug dealers accountable for murder in South Carolina? I don't understand what is going on, why they have, they can't move with this legislation. They need to come together they need to start saving lives in South Carolina. The blood is on their hands. Grieving families are fed up. We've had enough. You know, uh, in Charleston County alone, I just found out there was last year, there was 258 um, illicit drug deaths mm. in Charleston County. I don't know the numbers for the state because we don't have all the information. It's trickling in. Out of that 258, illicit drug deaths. This is, includes illicit fentanyl, which is the majority of the drug deaths. We have other deaths that have not been reported yet because the toxicology reports have not been given to the coroner. So they don't, ha the numbers are going to be higher. Yeah. In Charleston County, that's five deaths a week. So I don't understand why we can't get this legislation passed. Well, you know, the government lobby and the, the lobby who provides them lots of money, they generally get ahead of the people in the precincts and the people that are, you know, violated and oppressed, the people who are clamoring for justice. It's difficult sometimes for us to, to get our voices heard. So hopefully this video will be helpful in that fight. I mean, I'm personally invested now and I can't stop until we get something solved. I mean, something's got to give. I have children. I know that even uh, there are babies, infants, that if they handle fentanyl, just handling illicit fentanyl can cause babies to die. And so this is, a, this, this is the kind of situation that we need to solve and solve quickly. And I'm going to use my trumpet and every platform I have available. I'm going to even put some money in it, okay? So that we can get this message heard. And if it's not heard and acted upon, then maybe we put some people in there that will actually act upon it. Because this is not just a uh, Charleston or a Lexington issue. This is not just an issue of my friend uh, being poisoned. This is an issue of Americans being poisoned. The world, the whole country, the whole country's dealing with this. I'm sure the world's dealing with it, but the entire country is dealing with this issue. Maybe we can get some policy done here in South Carolina that can be models for the rest of the country. And maybe we can get our uh, executive administration to do their job at the border, which would be helpful, too. Exactly. Well, you know, Alan Wilson, our attorney general, he and 18 other attorney generals signed a letter to the current administration to deem illicit fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction, because that's what it is. What it, it's killing so many at once. I mean, we're, it's across the country. It, the numbers are astronomical. It's the number one cause of death. It, it's more than gun violence, more than traffic accidents, but there's nothing being done. Makes you wonder, you know, where, do, what, what is going on? So, you know, 
this letter that these Alan Wilson and 18 attorney generals signed, it's fell upon deaf ears. Where are the marches? Where is the media? Where are the lobbyists coming together behind this issue? I mean, it's higher fatalities than gun violence, but they literally have a machine of gun control lobbyists in every state, in multiple counties per state, fighting gun violence. When the actuality is more people are dying, I mean, exponentially more from illicit fentanyl. What, what's, what gives? I'm sorry for cutting you off, but what gives, you know? <laughs> when Isabella died in 2017 for illicit drug deaths in the state in 2017, out of the entire country, South Carolina was number 28 for CDC reports. Well, from what I have gathered from the, the, the most recent CDC report, South Carolina is now number nine. We're in the top 10. So we can add that to our accolades for, you know, Condé Nast and travel and leisure and all this stuff that we keep getting all these awards because mm. South Carolina is now in the top 10 for illicit drug deaths. Wow. We want a drug-induced homicide bill passed because it encompasses all the bills, or excuse me, encompasses all the drugs out there, all mm -hmm. the illicit substances, not mm -hmm. just fentanyl, because down the road, China's going to come up with another poison. There's going to be another one and another one and another one. I don't want to keep having to go back and and fight for new legislation. We need to have one piece of legislation that covers everything and future poisons. If you commit a murder with a drug and, and you know, it's, it's, it's a drug death, you give somebody something and that person has died, that's murder. It needs to be held accountable. They need to be held accountable. We, yeah. It needs to have an investigation. It's a homicide. I don't understand why we're not getting the, the response that we need to get in order to start saving lives. Harm reduction is a big opposition for me in South Carolina. They get money from grants and funding and all this stuff. South Carolina received over $360 million in opioid settlement funds. Mm. That's blood money. That's money that you know our kids have died for. But we're not seeing you know, clinically staffed treatment facilities or detox centers. I'm not sure what the money's going for. They're giving it to these, you know, mom and pop recovery places and, and harm reduction, and they continue to, to put a Band-Aid on it. Narcan, fentanyl strips, and all this. Well, nobody out there is watering down their drugs and because you would have to water down the entire drug in order to use a fentanyl strip. These kids aren't doing that. This stuff has trickled down into the high school where my daughter was a cheerleader. The, the, there was a, a child there in the high school at Wando High School in, in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That child had a illicit pill that looked like an Adderall and it was fentanyl because the counterfeit pills are that, that much and that easily accessible to these kids. Wow. China is buying up land in Maine they're they're making they're cultivating marijuana up in maine maine is a, a legal state for for marijuana they're then taking that marijuana they're spraying it with chemicals and they're putting it into other states 
that are not legal. So you tell me, you know, I mean, China's killing us from within. I just cannot stress that enough. And if our politicians don't start doing something because our military is depleting, we have vets who have struggled with addiction issues because the VA overprescribed them medication. We have the opiate crisis where we've lost a generation of kids. Now we've, we're losing another generation. Where does that put us as a country? If you, if you think this isn't going to happen to you, it's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to somebody you know. It's going to happen to your kid or your grandkid. You need to start acting now. I, I just can't stress that enough. I don't know what else to do. So I'm just, I mean, I, I talk about it all the time, but we can't get these politicians to do anything. The only thing I can tell people and other grieving families, it's an election year. And if you're, your house representative isn't doing what you think they need to be doing or your senator's not doing what you think they should be doing, then we need new people. When I, uh, when I found out about my friend, um, I, I couldn't stop weeping. You know, every time I would look at a, the picture, I'd just weep and um, it's hard. It was hard. I couldn't get on the phone and talk about it, you know? And so what I found though, is that when I got angry and I thought about how to, you know, mete out some justice, my tears stopped. <laughs> I was able to wipe my face and not have tears anymore because action is what's necessary. You know, I, I've cried and, and I, I can't, they're not going to bring my friend back. You know, it's not going to bring these children and, 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 Fathers, mothers, uncles, aunts, nieces, all the people that have lost their lives, families that are affected by it, they can't get their families back. However, action is what's needed. And maybe we can, uh, you know, put some of these devils, these demons, these trolls that are harming our people, maybe we, maybe we can put uh, some threat, force, and intimidation on them instead of on, you know, people who are at a protest in D.C. or or parents protesting school boards or something like that. Maybe we can use our law enforcement to actually stop the, uh, you know, the thing that's killing Americans exponentially for a change. And uh, anyway, I thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Kat, it's such a pleasure to know you. Thank you for your fight. Thank you for your energy. Thank God. I thank God I met you because I, I would have gone through this and I would have had no idea, no idea. I was just been weeping. I would have had to start from scratch and, You've already done so much groundwork. You have been in this fight for so long. Thank you so much for your life and your, your energy, your sacrifices. I thank, thank God you for, for you. having me, Zoe. And, and thank you for being somebody with a voice that that is listening and has a platform. And I, I am so grateful that I met you. <laughs> it's providential, I think. <laughs> That's it's, amazing. Uh, it's God. You know, God puts people in the right places. That's all I can say. Amen. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Kat. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for joining the show. That that concludes our program for today, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Zoe. Uh, this is 2A for today. You've been watching. If you leave your name and your if any comments or questions you have in the description below, uh, excuse me, in the comments below the description, uh, I'll try to answer you as quickly as I can in the coming days and weeks and months. So thank you for watching again, 2A for today.
life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence proclaims God-given rights, and we intend to protect them. Working with people like you for over 50 years, preserving freedom and building a better tomorrow, safeguarding the Constitution by limiting government power, we are restoring liberties, educating voters, and leading the freedom movement. Join with us. United, we will defend our rights. We are all Americans. We are the John Birch Society.